The jury is out. We are conclusively an unserious people. Oh, I see. So you don't want to see a close-up picture of my anus because you hate gay men. We've gone from protesting wars in the past, like Vietnam, to protesting wars in the present that we have nothing to do with. It's for Palestine! It doesn't take a very bright person to recognize that the Free Palestine Movement in America is slightly ill-conceived based upon, you know, maybe a simple fact that, well, we're not at war with Palestine, Israel is, and they're a sovereign nation, and since we're not at war, we don't really control what they do. It's almost as if young people protest things because it makes them feel better, like they're accomplishing something with their life without really having to work for it. And the women that are raped, how do you feel about that? Ugh, I, I don't know where to start from that. And you know the reason why that is? Is because it is exactly that. What? You son of a... The vast majority of these protests are just people desperate to try to get attention for themselves. And that is the case also, too, with climate protesters in the present who have been blocking traffic, destroying priceless works of art, and doing other obnoxious things. But let's not stop with just obnoxious, because those protests also turned deadly. A viral picture of Kenneth Darlington swept the internet last week. Darlington was a motorist who happened to be stuck in traffic during one of these protests in Panama. After an argument broke out between Darlington and a protester, he pulled a gun, and then he was confronted by two men. He shot and killed one of them and injured the other one. The reason I bring up this protest is not only that it's horrific that this happened, but the story here is not just that life is precious and anyone who needlessly snuffs out life should be held accountable. The story here is that these protesters did not move. A man approached them with a gun and because they were protesting a copper mine, they weren't scared, they weren't fearful for their life, they just sat there. I'd love to blame this kind of navel-gazing upon Americans, but this took place in Panama. But maybe there is a way in which Americans are to blame for this. When the world leader in stupid paves the way with riots and looting and murdering and killing in 2020, and then we show the world that there isn't any repercussions for those kind of actions, no accountability, and in fact, what we should do as a result of those things is defund the police, it's no wonder why we think we have a generation of people who think they're invincible. But you're not invincible, and your cause is not worth your life, at least in this situation. And people who have no purpose will try to find it and whatever they can. This also lies at the feet of America, because a generation of listless and purposeless young people are desperate for it. And as America has become more secular, we've exported our godlessness around the world, and we expect it to work better there than it did here. It's not really working well. But do you remember how we've done this in the past? Do you remember a while back, Kamala Harris promised $60 million to Zambia for human rights training, or what could be known as gender-affirming indoctrination, or trans-indoctrination. Homosexual agenda around the world. They will invest their money and give you money to protect human rights. Zambia refused, and so should you. Because there really is only one place where you can get transcendent truth worth giving your everything for. And by the way, it's not in climate change, but we'll talk about where you can find it today on IndieThinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget that your end-of-year giving can find no better home than here at IndieThinker. That's right. We are a nonprofit, and everything that we do is all for you.
So we ask as you come to this end of year and you think about all the Christmas gifts that you're going to be giving to your family and maybe the ways in which you want to evade the tax man, uh, we highly encourage you to think about giving gifts to IndieThinker, which is a great use of your financial resources. Now, you can do that by going to the link that's on the screen now, or you can go to the description of this podcast where you can find different ways that you can give to IndieThinker. In all, we hope that this show has been a blessing to you, that it's helped you, that it's helped you think critically, or maybe even educated you about something that's going on in the world that you didn't know. If it has, then we highly encourage you to help us keep that going by giving a tax-deductible donation to IndieThinker before the year ends. It will come as no surprise to you that I am no fan of radical extremist LGBTQ activists. As a Christian, I try to love everybody, but I will be honest and say that there's a special place in my heart for these kind of people who try to shove their religion down the throat of everyone while also claiming that it is Christians who are doing that. Nonetheless, probably the cardinal for this religion, the bishop of this religion, is none other than Megan Rapinoe. When she is not complaining that she's not getting enough money for kicking a ball down a field uh, in a sport that nobody could actually care about watching, um, she's, she's also giving us brave and bold theological arguments. And she did just recently, in her last game of her career ever, give us, I think, perhaps one of the most profound theological arguments in the history of the world. And so, if you believe in God, um, it's time that you paid attention to Megan Rapinoe because she has some, some things to share with you. And she's not going to let you down easy. She's going to let this truth hit as hard as it needs to. Because just recently, the New York Post reported that U.S. soccer star Megan Rapinoe did her best to laugh off an injury she suffered in the final match of her career on Saturday. Rapinoe went down in the sixth minute as O.L. Reign lost to Gotham FC in the National Women's League Championship on Saturday night. I know what you're thinking. You did didn't even know that there was a women's soccer league championship or that it was Saturday night, but it was. Nonetheless, Rapinoe believed, Rapinoe said she believed she tore her Achilles in the post-match press conference. Rapinoe said she was going to get the Aaron Rodgers treatment to try and recover from the injury. She said she'd reach out to him or whoever did his surgery. And then she ended by saying, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, like, this is proof that there isn't. Brilliance on display. Of course, I have never heard a more conclusive argument from an atheist than what we just heard from Megan Rapinoe. Perhaps the blue hair dye is getting to that brain of hers. Now, you might ask yourself, as I did, do you really think you have a gripe against God? I mean, what about the kids and the families that are suffering in Israel and Gaza right now? Like, maybe they have a reason to shake their fists at heaven a little bit more than you just injured yourself in a soccer game, which is... Often what happens, um, but also we're to believe that Megan would praise God if she won. Uh, so she, she blames God for her injury and thinks that, you know, if, if God existed, that would never happen. Um, but if she had won that game and had done so healthily, uh, we're to believe that somehow she might find it in her heart a convincing argument to believe that God actually exists. No, the reason I bring all of this up in the first place is just simply bad things happen most of the time because we make decisions and we try to blame God for it. We, we make decisions like going out to soccer fields or we make decisions like opening our mouth and saying very dumb things. And there are repercussions for those things, sorry to say. 
But, um, but the real reason I wanted to bring it up beyond that, just, just to kind of talk about the theodicy thing, but the real reason I bring it up is just simply that Christians are the ones who are, who are stereotypically mocked for being unscientific, for throwing their brains in the garbage and for being superstitious. But here we have Megan Rapinoe actually doing that. I love what John Lennox says, and, and I've heard him say it a bunch of different times. And he was just recently on with Jordan Peterson on his podcast, and he said it again. Uh, it's a quote from Lord Alfred Whitehead, uh, and then also kind of rephrased by C.S. Lewis. And he, it essentially says this, that men perform science because they believe that there would be law in nature simply because they believe in a law giver. In other words, they believed that the pursuit of science, the endeavor of science would be worthwhile and that there would be intelligibility in the universe because there is an intelligible creator behind the creation of it. So in point of fact, belief in God is actually the reason why science was originally performed. Now, there may be godless atheist scientists out there that are brilliant people like Richard Dawkins and the like, but by and large, the origins of science have their roots in people who believe that there was a God who created the stars and that investigating those stars would tell us more about him and about ourselves. So the real people who should be mocked for being endlessly unscientific and superstitious are obviously yet again the people who refuse to think critically about whether or not there may be a God. But more importantly, this kind of mindlessness is really on display very, very often in the present. And what Megan Rapinoe said is an endorsement of the kind of total mindlessness that, that inhabits so many of, of the people in, our, in the West and probably in our, our country right now. And it's on full display as we see people marching through city streets calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. This just happened recently in Atlanta. And... I'll show you this on the screen, but it looks to be certainly thousands, if not tens of thousands of people storming through the streets of Atlanta, declaring and proclaiming and calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Check it out. I think so. It's for Palestine. I want to assume something, and I know what assuming does, but I'm going to assume something real quick after hearing these girls and the way that they talked about that Palestine protest that was taking place down below them. They were up on some rooftop or maybe on the balcony of an apartment building, what, whatever the case may be, but they were looking down upon this protest, and then they started to say, yeah, cease fire, and shout all sorts of other pro-Palestine uh, rhetoric. Um, but, but again, let me assume here for just a moment. I'm pretty sure that these girls could not find Palestine on a map if they were paid to do it. They may even shout from the river to the sea, but they would have no idea what river and what sea is actually being talked about there. The reason I say that is because there is mindless ideology possessing so many of people in the West today. And again, I, I say that the origins of this comes back to the fact that we are a purposeless group of people who are constantly riddled with anxiety and even more so as we get rid of the thing that has provided faith and purpose to millions if not billions of people in the past. 
I also say this because there is a mindless ideology present in this protest that is on full display for all of us to see, and I think we should pay attention to it. And it is the idea of a ceasefire. It is a mindless idea for multiple different reasons. And I want to bring you the reason why in our, our next story, because ceasefire it sounds really good. It, it rolls off the tongue. It's very pleasant to people who recognize that war is, an, is, an, is a God-awful thing. God doesn't in, endorse the death of those in Israel on October 7th or any of the deaths of, of those in Gaza since then. So it makes sense, right? If you're a Christian, then you would, then you would call for a ceasefire. Well, this is on, well, the real question is, is what does a ceasefire mean if Hamas still exists? This is the question that I think deserves our attention. It is way too easy to call for a ceasefire without actually recognizing what is at stake in such a ceasefire. So I want to show you a clip where Chink Iger is on with Piers Morgan and Rabbi Shmuley, and they have a quite interesting conversation that I think demands attention. But, but most importantly, um, I, I think there's something in this clip that, uh, that, uh, that is important to point out in terms of ceasefire and the implications of that. Check it out. What Hamas is actually in its charter dedicated to doing is the purest oh, personification well. of genocide. Well, it is. They want to see the eradication yeah. of Israel, and they proved on October the 7th they will kill as many Jews as they can possibly get their hands on. So that is pure genocide. What Israel yeah. is doing in return, I don't think meets the category of genocide, right? Because they don't no, want to get wrong. rid of every Palestinian. They don't want to kill every Palestinian. No, They want to kill every Hamas standard. terrorist. Now, there are legitimate question marks about how they're going about this, and about the civilian casualties. But there is a, there is a, a moral distinction between what Hamas no, is. is dedicated to doing and what Israel is dedicated to doing, isn't there? No. Uh, first of all, Hamas is a bunch of idiots. They should take that stuff out of their charter. It, all it does is hurt the Palestinian cause. I agree. There's no call for it. It's dumb and it's immoral. But... Hamas claims that they would like to do these things, and from time to time they do these attacks that are horrible and they should never do. But Israel actually kills Palestinians, actually occupies Palestine, actually denies the Palestinians a state. So there's this absurd talk of like, oh, if Hamas was super powerful, they might deny Israel its existence. Except Israel does exist. And, and, the, and the Palestinian state does not exist because Israel is blocking their state. I love people who use volume as an argument. Here, Chink is doing that, but also making a couple of mistakes. So the first one is this. Um, there is a distinction in kind. What Israel is doing is vastly different than what, what Hamas did on October 7th to Israel. Israel is trying to do the impossible. They're trying to thread the needle and trying to fight Hamas while also trying to avoid civilian casualties. And obviously that's going to be a messy thing. But there isn't a person that has a conscience that would say that America didn't need to fight World War II or that we didn't need to eliminate Hitler because of course we did. And of course, there were hundreds of thousands of German civilians who were caught in the crossfire as a result of that war. It's just an unfortunate reality. But when we mindlessly call for ceasefire, we don't get to get any of the nuance involved in actually being honest about what's going on. And this is my, the biggest point that I, that I want to talk to you about, because I think this is the one thing that we're not hearing a lot about in the midst of calls for ceasefire or even in the midst of talking about 
the ability for Israel to defend itself. We're not really talking about the implications of of what we mean. And so, unfortunately, in this Piers Morgan interview, uh, Rabbi Shmuley and and Chink are talking past each other very much. There's some great things to to glean from the interview, and I'd highly encourage you to check it out. But unfortunately, the argument gets so heated, as you would expect it to. Um, but they make the mistake of kind of talking past each other, and they don't actually get to the real question, which is this. The, there should have been someone that asked Chink, okay, if we call for a ceasefire right now, Israel stops fighting um, and stops bombing uh, Palestine and stops sending in troops, then what will happen in the future? Six months, a year from now, maybe even two years from now. What happens if ceasing fire happens, but Hamas is not brought to justice. Now, I think this is ironic, right? Because the people who say no justice, no peace are usually people like Chink, certainly people in the Black Lives Matter movement who say we cannot have justice because it's intolerable to live in a place where there is no justice and there cannot be peace if there isn't justice. You know, a threat to justice anywhere uh, or an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, that kind of thing. That nostrum that is mostly um, mostly shouted out on the left is actually generally true, that you have to have justice if you're going to truly have peace. Now, they're almost always wrong whenever they say it, but the idea is correct. And that brings us back to the ceasefire. See, there will be no real peace just because there's a ceasefire. Sure, that means rockets will stop hailing down on Gaza. That means that no troops will be sent into Gaza, but it also means that Israel is opening up its doors for yet another terror attack in the future by Hamas. If Hamas is not eliminated, then the blood that will come in the future because Israel stops firing is on the hands of those in Israel and its leadership. So why should Israeli soldiers have to perish and then those families have to reel from the consequences of their loved one dying simply because we have an emotional desire for a ceasefire because it will make us feel better. See, this is the problem with a society dedicated to emotivism rather than dedicated to the truth. A ceasefire will merely prolong death, but it will not stop it. Every person with a conscience should be shouting free Palestine but they should end the sentence with free Palestine from Hamas. And then they'll see that what Israel is trying to do is something that will not only benefit Gazans and Palestinians, but also benefit the future of Israel. The reason you can't call for a ceasefire is because while Hamas is on the earth, they will consistently carry out their genocidal cause. Look at the preamble for the Hamas charter. It couldn't be any clearer, but of course, none of these people protesting and calling for a ceasefire seem to want to talk about it. And the preamble says this, that Israel does exist and will always exist unless we can wipe them off the face of the map. Essentially, that's, that's what it says. So in the charter for Hamas, which is the people who are now hiding under tunnels and using civilians as shields and then also forcing civilians to stay in that area so that they can continue to prey upon the stupidity of people in the West, these people are the ones who have declared their genocidal intent, not Israelis. And that genocidal intent cannot be allowed to exist because as long as it does, no one in Israel will ever be safe. That's why mindlessly endorsing ideas like those of Megan Rapinoe 
or those of Chink Iger, or any of these mindless fools protesting in streets all over America and shouting free Palestine and ceasefire. That's why all of those things must be resisted. Not only because they lack the intellectual fortitude to actually dig into the nuance, but because if you really want to free Palestine, you'll free it from Hamas. All right, let's jump into our final segment, Bible study with Democrats. Oh God of pronouns. The whole purpose of the show today is to show that we've heard some mythology, some mindless ideology being rehearsed in our city streets in America as a result of this war that's going on right now in Gaza. And it's important for us to pay attention. We've heard myths like the noble savage myth that, you know, Palestinians or Arab Muslims were just hanging out in uh, the land that Israel now occupies, and then Israel forced them out of the land and killed them all, and, and they're neo-colonial occupiers. So that noble savage myth that Arab Muslims were just minding their business until the uh, colonialists came in and destroyed everything. Um, of course, that's a myth because that's absolutely untrue. Uh, the name Palestine was actually given to Jews. So when you say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, I mean, what do you mean by that since Palestinian would have been originally a name for, for Jews? We also forget in all of this that on separate, separate occasions, Two state solutions have been offered to Palestinians, and not Palestinians like the civilians. I know there needs to be a distinction, but to the PLO and to, um, and to the PA, they've been offered on seven separate occasions. They've been offered a two-state solution, and every single time, those in leadership in Palestine have walked away from the table. You know why? Because they don't really want a two-state solution. They want Israel eradicated. All this while Hamas gives us death toll numbers in Gaza and the American mainstream media just runs with it. We don't care if it's actually true. We're going to listen to a terrorist organization tell us how many people Israel's actually killing. All while Hamas continues to use human shields and continues to use their people Iron Dome as they sit underneath tunnels like rats and use people to protect them from the rockets that they deserve. And all this while Hamas restricts the movements of civilians in the areas to make sure that they maximize casualties because they want foolish Westerners to get their back. And they also want Israel to consistently look like the bad guy because they can use that for their marketing purposes. All that while Israel does their best to do the impossible and avoid civilian casualties, while the leaders of Hamas sit in five-star resorts in Qatar, raking in cash that was supposed to go to build schools and hospitals, um, and, and this so that they can go on television and demand that civilians stay in the area because they need martyrs for the cause, because they know that the West is so incredibly stupid that they will do exactly what they're doing right now. All of this is predicated upon a simple modern American postmodern problem. Facts don't matter, feelings do. Americans are desperate to find a cause, and any will do. They want to protest for it, and then they don't give a damn about the consequences because ultimately the truth doesn't really matter. What matters is how you feel when you protest. People are desperate to feel like they're making a difference because they were created on purpose and for a purpose, and they crave purpose. But placing the cause above the truth is distinctly American. 
and I'd argue distinctly secular. As we have become more secular, we now see young Americans all over willing to take the Faustian bargain and sell their souls while chanting genocidal phrases. All of this because the death of God movement has left Westerners frantically, desperately searching for religion to replace Christianity in the West. If there is a religion that's taken the place of Christianity in the West, it's embodied in John Lennon's song, Imagine. For those who need a refresher, the song goes like this. Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It's not hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living in peace. You, you may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Let's imagine with John some of his ideas. He dreams of a world with no religion, a purely secular world. A discerning person would be wise to ask just one simple question. What if a Christian or Jew tries to enter this secular utopia? Of course, we know the answer because Lenin's utopia sounds similar to another Lenin. Push aside the complete smug narcissism that thousands of years of wisdom can be pushed aside by a musician that would marry Yoko Ono and push aside the minor detail that no purely secular society has ever existed in the history of the world. And imagine with me, what kind of monster would have to be in power to implement the program of religious expungement? Imagine no more because during the Stalinist purges of 37 and 38, church documents record that 168,300 Russian Orthodox clergy were arrested. Of these, over 100,000 were shot. Lower estimates claim that at least 25,000 to 30,000 clergy were killed in the 1930s and the 40s. Small price to pay for a world with no religion, if you ask me. Maybe you get where John is going with his imagination. One last verse says the quiet part out loud. No possessions, which will lead to no greed or hunger. Oh, so you mean communism. Just say it, bro. Just say it out loud. Let's be really clear now that we've seen the agenda for what it really is. A moral agenda devoid of ancient wisdom and fully totalitarian. But make no mistake, Lenin's Imagine is fully religious. While the left claims to be moral relativist and to endorse moral pluralism and atheism, they clearly don't. They want their religion promulgated. The left uses moral relativism simply as a retreat. When they feel like they're winning, they want to push their ideas forward and they will do it, fully willing to impose them with force if necessary and demand that everyone do what they want or they're a bigot, intolerant, or hateful. Ironic, right? Make no mistake, Lenin has an agenda. We all do. The problem with his is that in place of beauty, goodness, and truth that Christianity provides is silly and morally benighted Marxist nonsense. The idea of oppressor versus oppressed is a binary, which oddly comes from a bunch of people who hate moral binaries, but it's a binary that can be a justification for almost any conceivable evil. All you have to do is find an agenda. Claim oppression and demand the heads of the people standing in your way. So just pause for a moment and imagine with me something vastly different. A country built upon Judeo-Christian values that ends slavery faster than any other nation in history, produces prosperity and freedom more so than any other nation in human history, and then imagine with me a dumbass musician coming along and trying to destroy it all with Marxist nonsense. It's easy if you try. Just don't fall for it. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. 
and go with God, despite what John Lennon said.